0: Flip to Freedom, episode number 30. Hello again, this is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 30. Now, if you are brand new listening for the very first time, I am here to help you escape the nine to five and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time even if you're brand new i don't care if you've ever bought a house before i don't care if you don't have any cash or any credit or you're working a full-time job or whatever it is you can flip properties in your spare time, and the entire goal of this podcast is to help show you exactly how to get one year's worth of your income in the bank as fast as possible so you have the option to be able to walk away from your job. Now, what I did was is I wrote a 19... 19- uh, actually a book a 129 page book that you can get for free at flip2freedom.com the number two freedom.com. that's flip2freedom.com just go there you'll see a video of me and on the front page Um, There'll be a place where you can enter your email and I'll email you a special link of where you can download this comprehensive detailed blueprint system on exactly how you can quit your job in 19 weeks or less by getting one year's worth of your income in the bank. Now, in this episode we are going to talk about uh, exactly how to make an absolute fortune from flipping vacant houses. I'm going to talk to you about the opportunity of vacant houses. We're going to talk about how to find them, what to look for, how to find the owner, uh, what to say and negotiate, and uh, the whole gamut. So uh, we are going to basically dive in deep about vacant houses. So after you're done this, there are people that literally, that's all they do. All they do is focus strictly on vacant houses, and uh, they make Tons, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, just flipping vacant houses um, from this one little tiny niche. Um, also, at the end of this video, I'm going to share a great quote with you and a great story, a rags-to-riches story that will definitely inspire you um, and let you know that listen, anybody can do this. Anybody, I don't care where where you came from, what your background is, what your education is anybody has the ability to go from where you are today to where you want to be this in real estate is a vehicle to get you to where you are uh right where you are now to get to where you want to be so in in real estate is by far one of the best vehicles that you can get in today and you can start with no cash, no credit, I don't care if you have any experience, and you can get involved in it, and it can bring you to another level. And what's that another level? Maybe owning rental properties, maybe fixing and flipping properties once you build up capital. What's the another level after that? Maybe it's doing uh, buying vacant land, maybe it's mini storage, maybe it's larger cash flow, commercial properties, maybe it's big multi-unit complexes. Well, it, it could start from flipping a shack in the ghetto to turn around and Building, you know, Trump Tower like Donald Trump does. It just depends on what, how big your mind is, what you want to accomplish, and just going from step by step by step. So, in this, we uh, talk about the first step. If you're brand new, you don't know anything about real estate, this is the perfect thing. But also, too, I get into some serious advanced uh, stuff. Um, on exactly how to uh, to basically explode your business um, from doing maybe one de- now one deal a month. You're I mean one deal a month you're you're doing pretty well. Two deals a month you are living large. Three deals a month, four deals a month, five deals a month. Man, you are raking in the cash. You're getting up to seven to ten deals a month. You're talking close to a million dollars a year uh, just flipping properties. And uh, now you're going to obviously be a little bit more full time doing that um but um but it is definitely possible all right now enough jibber jabber let's get into uh the meat because i know you guys like the meat all right now, let's talk about the opportunity for vacant houses. Well, I mean, think about it. How many times have you uh, drove around a neighborhood before when you're just uh, maybe driving to a friend's house, grandma's house, whatever it might be, and you see a house that has weeds that are, you know, up to your knees. It's all pitch black, and it looks just uh, run down a little bit, and it just looks like uh, nobody's there. There's a bunch of papers in the driveway, and you go, wow, I wonder what happened to that person. I wonder where they went. Well, vacant houses, there is an opportunity in that house. Because think about it, if someone walks away, just walks away from the house, there's two reasons. One, in this market, they're either upside down, uh, or two, they are either facing foreclosure, or three, it's a rental property, and they just are out of state, and they just don't want to deal with a property, just get this thing off my hands. So, I'll give you a story about a a, a rental property, I mean, actually, a, a a uh, vacant house that we recently did. Um, it's, it's basically over in, uh, in Scottsdale, um, off a uh, street called Whitney, and and I was out looking for. I think I was going to an appointment or something in in the neighborhood. And I always make it a habit to drive the entire neighborhood before going into my appointment and looking for a couple things. First, I'm I'm looking for comps. Uh, so I know exactly what I'm talking about about the neighborhood when I do go talk to the motivated seller. That's the first thing I look for. The second thing I look for is for sale by owner signs because I always call for sale by owner signs uh, to see if they would potentially want to do seller financing or uh, maybe do a wrap or do... uh, lease option um and i always look for vacant houses and i'm writing down the address of these vacant houses in my little notepad that i have in my car when i'm driving around now um i happen to do this and i found this one house that there was all these uh yellow um what they call them the Yellow books. <laughs> Everyone goes online now, right? So you don't use these uh, those stupid yellow books anymore. But they're all piled up in front of the house. Pa- newspapers everywhere, and uh, the, I could totally tell if the place was vacant. I'll, now I'll get into exactly how you can tell if the house is vacant or not. So I kind of did my snooping around. I checked the electrical box, and there was no electricity to the house. And I kind of peeked in the windows, and all this cobsweb cobweb, cobwebs were everywhere, and and uh kind of kind of peeked around i could really tell that the house is vacant and nobody was there well next door there happened to be a lady that was sweeping out the garage so i went and talked to her and i said hey do you know what's going on with this house and she goes yeah the guy is um you know i don't know what his deal is but he upped and moved to california and he's gone i said well do you have any way of contacting him and she goes yes i happen to have his cell phone number brilliant so i said great i said what is it let's call him so I uh, called the guy and uh, I talked to him um, and I got a contract on the property and turned around and flipped that property. Um, I think made about $18,000 on the deal, but it was a great deal because he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He was just done. He was in a divorce situation. Wife left, he took off and uh, and we turned around and made a profit on that deal. So vacant houses are great, a great, great way Uh, to locate motivated sellers, and I'm always sending letters out to vacant house uh, owners. Now, vacant houses are the highest form of motivated sellers, the highest form, because they've walked away from the property. They're the easiest to negotiate, because think about it. You know they're done. You know they walked away from the property. The place is all grown up. It's a mess. They don't want to pay the taxes on it. They want to. They want to get the place clean, and uh, and and it's a disaster area. You know it's just terrible. I'll give you an example. Another house we flipped about a month or so ago was a vacant house, um, and it was code violations about. Almost fifteen hundred dollars worth of code violations on there. The lady was in Denver, Colorado. She had it as a rental property. Used to live in it years ago, but then moved to Denver, and she was just sick of the thing. Absolutely sick of it. She owed, I believe, like forty. $40,000 to forty-five thousand dollars. I think it was like forty-five thousand dollars, and uh, and talked to her, negotiated her, and basically got her to agree to take three thousand dollars above and beyond the mortgage, and to keep the existing mortgage in place. So literally, we could pick it up for three thousand dollars. Now the place was in a little disarray. It was boarded up. It was kind of nasty. So had my guys go in there, clean up the entire place. Um, cost us maybe four or five hundred bucks, and then turn around and flip the place to a retail buyer that wanted it and uh, made over $10,000 on that one deal alone uh, on a vacant house and it was uh, they were just sitting there which is, uh, which is a great way uh, to do that. So, love vacant houses okay easy to negotiate with when i talked to her on the phone she was in denver colorado i was like have you seen this place i took a bunch of pictures and i sent it to her and she goes oh my gosh i haven't seen the place it's terrible yeah city violations on it we had to clear up and it was a, it was a mess you know so even better <laughs> the worse off it is the better off it is gotta love it all right so where do you look for these vacant houses where do you find them well actually where to look you want to know where to look for them Well, you want to look for vacant houses in high cash transaction areas. Um, Now, if you have a realtor friend or if you have a realtor on your team, have them do a search in the MLS for all the cash transactions that have happened over the past 30, 60, 90 days. And what will happen is you go into the map of MLS and you will see a high density of cash transactions. You'll see pockets within the MLS where there are massive amounts of cash transactions same thing here in Maricopa County Arizona where I uh, where I flip houses here and and, uh, and I literally just did it a, not more than an hour ago before doing this podcast I looked in there and there are high dense areas I did for an entire month of November and I was amazed because there are tons of just cash in this one little pocket of town here um because the houses are so cheap they're 17 18 5000 10000 cheap houses that that uh that um, that landlords are picking up, and they're turning around and renting them for you know tons of cash flow. And these houses will go up in value in five to seven years, uh, but they're getting tons of cash flow by just putting in carpet and paint and uh, sticking a renter in there. So, so you want to basically target areas that are high cash transactions areas. Um, and then where to look for them? Anytime you're out and about, every time, anytime you're driving around, like we just talked about, you're going to look at a house. You're going to grandmother's house. You're going, you're going to McDonald's. Whatever you're doing in that day when you're driving into a neighborhood, always keep your alerts on for vacant houses and have a little notepad or have your, uh, I have a voice recorder on my iPhone. I can record that. Um, and then just keep note of vacant houses that you can send letters to. And we'll get into exactly how to do that. So what are you looking for in a vacant house? How do you tell if the house is vacant? We've got five different things here. One is boarded up that's a, that's a clue right um windows are covered with tin foil there's paper there's plastic all over the place um you want to check for notices posted by the bank or the city on the door you'll see like code violations has been abandoned or vacant uh check the electric meter or the water spigot um when if, I, if i'm trying to determine if the houses are vacant or not I, I, i'll go up and kind of kind of peek in the windows and i'll look at the electric meter if it's spinning um or if there's uh it's digital and, there, and it's moving well there's definitely someone in the house, but um, if not, then that is a sure sign in this vacant. The other thing too is you can uh, turn on the water spigot. If the water's turned off, then it's a definite sign that the property's vacant. All right, check for uh, notices. Uh, check for electric water spigot. No trespassing. Signs uh, in the property. Sometimes you'll see that they'll put no trespassing signs. Uh, that might be a way to uh, see if it's vacant uh, for sure. Um, and then dead landscaping. The 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 grass is high. It just looks old and run down. There's a bunch of papers all in the front. Um, there is you know piled up stuff. Cobwebs all over the place and dark all the time. That is a, a good sign of a vacant property. So that's what you want to look for when you're driving around checking out uh, these vacant houses. Now, what you are looking for, well, so now you, now think about this, you're driving around, right, you go to his house, you happen to see his vacant house, all this stuff's all over the place, exactly the way I explained, you you kind of go up to the house, you look around and snoop around a little bit, and you kind of see the, the electric meter's off, and you see the water's off, and you go, okay, this is a vacant house for sure, okay, so then you have, you write down the address, well, once you write down the address, right, then what you do is you want to do a cross-reference in your county assessor. So go into and type in your city or type in your county, of course. You know, I put Maricopa County Assessor and it comes right up, And I can go into the Assessor's uh, website and I can type in the address and I can find out who the owner is. Um, And then you can look for the tax mailing address. Now, inside the County Assessor, you'll have the actual address, right, to the house, and then there'll be a tax mailing address. There'll be two different addresses. If those two addresses are the same, then that's primarily the homeowner, and now we gotta hunt down the homeowner. If those two addresses are different, it typically means it's a rental property, and then you can send a yellow letter to that different address, which is the tax mailing address, um, and then wait for response from that way or still hunt down the owner and uh, try to get their number. Um, so once you have that owner's uh, name then we can start looking for homeowners. We can start finding out who, uh, who they are. Now, so now you have uh, you wrote down the address, you went in the county assessors, you got the guy's name. He happens to, happens to be in the same house. Maybe let's say it's not a tax mailing address. There's a differential there. Let's say it's the same. So now what do you do with the name? How the heck do you track down this guy? Well, um, there's a couple of different ways you can um, you can uh, leave a note on the door, right? Um, what what I would just, I when I'm at the house, I'm looking at, I just write a little note on the door. said, you know, saying, "Hey, looking for one more rental house. Uh, give me a call if you'd like to sell," and just stick a note in the door. Sometimes the owner will come back and check on the mail. You're not technically supposed to put um, mail uh, inside the person's mailbox because that's only the job for the, uh, for the mailman. But you can definitely post it in their door or uh, put it by the mailbox um, if it's closed up by, by the front door. Um, the next way to track down the owners, uh is to write a yellow letter to the tax mailing address if it's different which we talked about another great way of finding the owners is this is i always have in my car about five to ten to fifteen banner signs or white plastic corrugated signs with little sign stakes and what i'll do is i'll write must sell house fast for cash And I'll put my e-voice number or my Google Voice number or whatever, my my, my voicemail number. And then I'll stick the sign in the front yard. (laughs) Now, it's great because of this, is because one, you're gonna get cash buyers that are gonna call you to want to get on your cash buyers list. Number one, and trying to see if they want to, you know, interest in the property. And number two, you're sometimes are gonna get the owner that's gonna call you and he's gonna be mad as a wet horn, he's going what the heck are you putting a sign in my front yard for now you got to be prepared for that because that's the call you're going to get if the owner calls you and say what are you talking about what's the address gives you the address oh my gosh my idiot guys they put it in front of the wrong house hey listen i'm so sorry i greatly apologize but hey listen are you looking to sell your house It's a great way you apologize up and down and then you can say, I know it's kind of sneaky. I I know, I know, I know, but it works. And guess what? If you end up buying the house, it helps the neighborhood. It helps the guy, right? He says, you know, he wants to turn around and sell it. Helps him. Right, helps the cash buyer because he either gets a rental property or, or he gets a property he can fix and flip. So it's a helping everybody all the way around. Now, if it was hurting somebody and in a detriment to somebody, I wouldn't tell you to do it. But it's not; it's helping people, and uh, that's what it's all about. All right, now you can call information. You know, the old four one one or nine whatever, not nine one one, but four one one. Call four one one and uh, and say, hey. I got the person's name, here's my last known address, and they might have a forwarding address or forwarding number uh, that you can um, you can call them at. So uh, definitely try that, I know it's pretty basic, but it works. The other thing you could do is uh, visit neighbors like I did. Um, you can see if the neighbors are around in the property, knock on the neighbor's door and ask them if they know anything about the house. You can Google the person's name to see if anything comes up or you can perform what's called a skip trace. And a skip trace is where you can, it's basically a people finder um, or a location service that can locate somebody um, and uh, find out what their last known address is or phone numbers or cell phone numbers or any, any stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of different. I'll post all these up on the uh, on the blog at fliptofreedom.com under the podcast section on the top tab there. Um, but there's address.com, there's anywho.com, there's AOL whitepages, infospace.com and tell you, and tell us. PeopleFinder.com, People.Yahoo.com, PrivateEye.com, SuperPages.com, Switchboard.com, USSearch.com, WhitePages.com, which is really good, that's the first place I go, Uh, WorldPages.com, and ZabaSearch.com. All of those are great ways to actually locate um, uh, somebody if you're trying to find them for a vacant house. And then, once you find the name and the number, then you can call them so what if you can't find the name and the number what if you you just run into like old addresses Uh, you might find an uncle or relative or friend or previous places they've lived or something like that but um, it's kind of a search and I'm going to tell you this the harder it is to find the owner the better the deal you're gonna get because most average investors they'll find the uh, property address Um, and then they're going to find the person's name and they're going to try to send a letter or they're going to try to do something and they are going to stop and they're either going to forget about that lead or they are going to stop when they find the hit the first hurdle but since you are a flip to freedom uh, podcast listener and you are not an average investor you are going to dig deep because you know that if you can find that owner, it's going to be a smoking deal because no one else is going to be able to find them. And you will get a a, a huge, huge payday um, at the end because you had the persistence and the desire to push through that obstacle and find that seller. Okay. So now what do you say? You call up the owner. Let's say you find him. You get his cell phone number. You went through all. The, you know, went through a couple of your favorite search places. There, you found him and said, "Hey, okay, great. Um, let's find out. Let's let's uh, get him on the phone here." So you call him up and and what do you say? You say, "I'm looking for one more rental house and I saw your house was vacant. I was wondering if you consider selling it anytime soon." So they're going to say either yes or no. They're gonna say, no, I'm not, I, you know, I don't even care about that. I'm saying, you know what? That house, I haven't been in that house in six months. I'm just, you know, I just you know, I don't know anything to do with it. I say great. And then you can start into the negotiation part of it, which is my favorite part. So what you're doing is you're looking to see if they have interest in just getting rid of the house, selling the house. And you're trying to find out and test their motivation level. How motivated are they? To sell the house now. If you get uh, an answer and they go, oh, I just want to get rid of this thing, I'm just so sick of it, it's just driving me nuts. You know, I'm just I, I'm done with the house, or I just went through a divorce, I'm, I'm not doing anything with it. Um, or they go, Well, yeah, yeah, I'm consider selling it. You know, I've kind of ran out of money and I gotta go fix it up and then I was gonna rent it out. But they kind of play, you know, like, Well, yeah, you know, I, I know it's vacant, but I'm, I'm gonna get around to it. Um, that is a A sign. I mean, most. If you can get a hold of the owner, there is a very, very good chance um, that there will be a high motivation level there that they can, uh, they can, that you can be able to buy that property. Tell you a story real quick. Um, I found a vacant property and uh, it was pretty beat up pretty bad and I went through this whole process. I went to the tax records. I found out who the owner was and the owner was actually at the same address. So then I went to the neighbors and neighbors didn't know anything so what do you do? Now I went to find a skip trace then I did like a skip trace on it and I found there was a, a person in Hawaii, you know, there was so-and-so. I called that person in Hawaii, it happened to be his sister, it called up, you know, talked to the sister in, in Hawaii at the different time zones. Actually. Tra- traced down the guy he was in Hawaii living in his sister's house moved away from Arizona and he said deal just get it done and uh, and I flipped the house made $10,000 because I found this guy in Hawaii and he couldn't believe I found him he was like how the heck did you find me I said, "Well, I just you know did a little you know, snooping around, and and I was able to find it." And He goes, "Well, thank thank God he called me because, uh, you know, I, I wasn't I didn't know what to do with this house, and uh, and he uh, sold it, and I turned around and sold it to an investor, and I made ten thousand dollars. The investor fixed and flipped it, and uh, helped the neighborhood. So another I, I've come all these vacant house stories are coming to me like crazy. Anyways, so now you're um. Talk them on the phone. you got a motivation level there. Now, they're either going to sell it for what's owed on the property um, or for very little. Um, So the first rule of thumb when negotiating with anybody is you never name the first price, period. Never, never name the first price you always say, you know, I say, listen, what's owned on the property? And, and you're gathering your information. Okay, great. Can you tell me about the property? How many bed and bath is it? How long have you owned it? What did you use it for? Was it for rental purposes? You know, um, and, uh, and, you know, oh, it's your mom's house. Okay, great. You know, what's what's owed on the property? Oh, there's, you know, $50,000 that's owed on the property. You know, um, how much repairs do you think needs to be done? Is there any back taxes on the property? Is there Any liens or judgments or citations or violations on the the property. And you're getting all this information to get an idea of what you're in the property for and if it's a, a potentially good deal and how much repairs are needed on the ballpark level. All right. So now we say, listen, you know, I see there's $50,000. Hey, can I buy this thing for, uh, you know, what's owed on the property? And nine times that, well, okay, seven times that out of 10, they'll say, you know, I just want to get rid of this thing. If you can just get this thing off my hands, great. Um, and if they say, that, then you say, well, listen, for your trouble, help me get all the paperwork and get everything transferred and take care of, and we'll give you 500 bucks. Does that sound fair? And they'll say, fine. Yeah, okay, great. Let's just get it done. Okay. That is, that is what happens with vacant houses. That's why they're so great because they have, they're detached, they left, they're done with the property. Um, and then if they say, well, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just going to give it away. Yeah, it might be vacant. I mean, it need to, you know, work on it and stuff on this house. But listen, I'm just not going to give this thing away. So you say, great. What is the minimum amount of cash you need to get out of this deal? And they're going to say, well, well, I haven't thought about it. Well, think about it. You know, if you had to name a number today, what would it be? And they're going to say, well, let's, you know, five thousand bucks, three thousand bucks, whatever the number is. Okay, well, let's, let's, okay, let's call it whatever. Your five thousand dollars. And then, how quick can you get me inside it so I can take a look at it to determine? um you know you know all the repairs and stuff like that see once you get a number out of them then you can say okay great keep that number fine don't negotiate right there just keep that number say great okay five thousand you want five thousand above and beyond the mortgage okay great now when can i see the property so then you go inside the property and you look at it well guess what that number for five thousand is going to go a lot lower because but hey guess what there's repairs needed on the property right so you say listen now you're at the property, you made an appointment, you went and looked at the property, you checked it out, you're there with them. They feel kind of bad. They don't want to leave this vacant house. There's probably stuff all over the place It needs repairs and you're kind of walking through this house, picking out every, everything that's, uh, that's wrong with the property, right? And, uh, and then you say, listen, you know, $5,000, you know, I mean, this, this needs a lot, a lot more work. Than I, I expected. You know, I, I don't even know if I can make it work at the uh, even at your loan amount. <laughs> I, I I mean, there's more stuff than I uh, than I expected here. So, you know, I know I, know I asked him five thousand dollars, and honestly, I don't I can't even come close to that. But you know, it, what's the absolute rock bottom minimum you would take? You know, if I could just take this property off your hands, and uh, and that number will change. I guarantee it. I've got people from ten thousand to fifteen thousand down to a couple hundred bucks. Um, just by asking that asking that question um, and you always ask once they give you a number always ask is that the best you can do I've had people I've asked that question three and four and five times and, hey you know and, and I, I keep backing off is that the best you can do oh, you know I can do you know five, I'll, I can do 4500. 4500 with all the work that needs to be done and the roof and this and i have to redo the electric there's some unpermanent additions in the back i mean look at the landscapes yeah you sure is that sure is, tell telling me is 4500 the best you can do well you know i could do you know i don't know i could do maybe 3500 yeah well that you know that would definitely help i mean that make it a little bit better and you know, but still, I mean, by the time I get done the carpet and I have to pay selling concessions and I have to pay closing costs and I have to pay fees and uh, you know, you got this violation on the property, I you know, I sure 3500 is the absolute rock bottom, best you can do. And they go, "Well, you know, uh, you know, I made 3000 and that's it. Not a not I'm not going any lower than $3000." $3, so, 3000 is the absolute best you can do, right? Is that the best you can do? Uh, yeah, that's the absolute, that's, I'm not going any lower. When they stop, when they stop you and they say, that's it, I'm not going any lower. They throw their hands up and they say, okay, great. Let's do it for $3,000. That's when you know to stop pushing, right? And then you stop pushing when they put their, when they put their foot in the ground and they say, that's it. Now, you can go back and say, listen, why don't we do 2,500? <laughs> but um, that's a little pushing it too far for me. But um, but it is possible to do. But what you do is, once they lay their foot in the sand say, great, okay, let's let's do it. And uh, let's write up the contract and we'll, and we'll get this thing going. So that is how you negotiate with a motivated seller. First off, you get the price over the phone, try to get the best price. And then you meet them at the property and negotiate that price further. Now, how... Do you expand your business from you going out and finding motivated sellers through vacant houses and finding vacant houses? How do you expand it from you doing it and you going out and driving around to get bigger? So now we we have leads coming in. Well, then what you can do is you can find bird dogs and have bird dogs go out and find you properties and submit a lead sheet and submit pictures and you can pay them anywhere from five to ten dollars a lead depending how generous you are um i typically pay them five bucks a lead so five bucks a lead they go out and they find all these vacant i don't care if you find 10 in a day i'll give you 50 bucks a day you go find me 10 vacant houses uh, write up the lead sheets on them, all the information I'm looking for about the, about the, uh, about the uh, property, about, um, you know, about the, what the neighbors say, you know, the electric on the property, if it's on or off, if the water's on or off, if it's furniture inside or not, every, all the information I'm looking for in a property. And, uh, and then submit that lead sheet with pictures, as many pictures as you possibly can get. And I'll pay them five bucks per lead. Now think about it. like I said, they go get 10 houses in a day. That's easy that's 50 bucks a day what if they get a, what if they get you know what if they get 20 houses that's 100 bucks a day they can make you know by just going out and finding vacant houses which is a great deal for them it's guaranteed and they and now not every lead for me turns into a deal but guess what if they send me 10 20 leads i'll get one or two deals out of that and make five to ten thousand dollars i guarantee it Um, So you have your bird dog fill out the lead sheet, have them submit pictures, rule of the vacant houses that they're submitting. No houses that are listed, no listed with, um, because a lot of bank REOs will list their houses uh, with realtors and we do not want realtor-listed houses, um, and we don't want houses that are for sale by owner um, that are that are vacant houses because typically those are investors and they're trying to turn around and flip them for sale by owner. You want vacant houses, no signs, not listed, nothing. Um, and once you get their uh, your email address or PayPal account, then you can just uh, uh, use PayPal to get them paid um, once a week or once every two weeks, depending on what your agreement is, um, and pay them for the leads that they submit. Now, that is a great way to expand your business. Now, what if, let's look at big picture here. What if you focused on vacant houses and that was one lead source of all the lead sources we talk about? When it talks about inheritance, we talk about probate, we talk about absentee owners, we talk about um, absentee investors, we talk about free and clear properties, all these different avenues to get leads coming in. What if you had 10 bird dogs they're out there and bringing you vacant houses. Let's say they only brought you two or three a day, 20 bucks a day, or whatever, two or three a day. But you had 10 people and you get 20 leads a day in of vacant houses. You're doing skip traces. You're doing searches. You're locating owners. You're calling owners. You will get deals, and you'll get deals, and there's no way you can't make ten dollars to $15,000 a month if you have a system set up that just like that, with vacant houses that are bringing you these vacant houses, and you uh, and you locate the sellers and do deals with these uh, with these individuals. I mean, tell me, it's a, it's, a, it's a great game plan uh, to use. It's not the only game plan to find motivated sellers, but it's a part of your arsenal uh, to find great deals um, to uh, to make um, extra cash. Just you would you would put that in your lead generation tool uh, that I talk about. Okay, now I want to give you a story about Brian Tracy and he has a true rags to riches story dropped out of school didn't even graduate from high school um, he was the the a labor just a, one, one of the guys that dropped out and he went straight into doing manual labor um, he was what's called a tramp steamer and I don't even know what the heck a tramp steamer was or is but you know he uh he worked minimal non jobs you know not 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 driving nice cars not having nice things um and uh just living the average everyday life and uh and he was just uh you know basically trying to figure out a way that he could you know just survive you know think about it have you ever been in a situation just listen man i just i just want to survive i don't want to get rich I don't want to have a big old house. I don't want to have a big old car, man. I just want to pay my bills every month. You know, some people in that situation. But the thing is this. He struggled. Then he got into sales. And uh, once he got into sales, you know, he started looking at the successful salespeople. And he started looking, going, wow, look at these, you know, these guys are doing things different. They have a different attitude. They have a different um, demeanor. They have a different confidence level. They have, they're doing things that are different. And what he did was, is he started to emulate these successful salespeople. And from that point, he learned about goal setting, about about writing a clear cut, um, you know, goals down and uh, one of his quotes that he recently um, shared was um, people with clear and this is a quote from brian tracy people with clear written goals accomplished far more in a shorter period of time than people without them could ever imagine now listen to his story i want to play you brian tracy's story from his own mouth of him telling exactly his rags-to-riches story. And I can tell you it is by far inspiring because there are people right now that are listening to this podcast right now and they are in a situation and they are in rags. And they are in a situation where they live in an apartment or live in a house or they don't have everything that they ever thought they would dream and they're going, how the heck, man, am I going to get out of this? The recession is pounding them down. Well, guess what? Brian pretty much show, tell you his Rags to Riches story on exactly how he went out and uh, went from nothing to greatness in a very, very short period of time. So let's listen to Brian right now. When did the thirst for knowledge and for growth happen? And then why did you decide to start putting all this together on tapes and so forth for people in and books and, and all that?
1: Well, it's very simple. As you mentioned, I didn't graduate from high school, and so I started off poor, working at laboring jobs for several years, working in construction, always broke, uh, driving an old car, sometimes even living in the car. And uh, one day I began asking, why is it that some people are more successful than others? Now, I learned later in life that every so often a question or a quote or something will hit you, and it will actually knock you into a different direction. And this knocked me into a different direction. So I just began asking, why is it that some people make so much more money or live in better homes or are wealthy and have nice cars? Because I saw people around me who didn't seem to be that much more talented than me or smarter or better in any way. And as I began seeking the answers, I found them. Now the next thing I did is I did what I found. I still remember coming across that idea, successful people have written goals, so I wrote down a series of goals on a piece of scrap paper, that's all I had, and within 30 days my life changed. And I looked at that scrap of paper and almost all the goals had been achieved. I hadn't even thought about them, but uh, my whole life began to change, almost like you're in driving in bump cars, right. and suddenly you start getting bumped from all directions, and all the bumping moves you towards your goals and i began to get results that were absolutely phenomenal i went from literally from rags to non-rags i went from living in a in a boarding house to a rented apartment and then to an apartment loaded with furniture and nice clothes and cars and restaurants and i couldn't believe it And i looked at people on both sides of me who were doing the same old things getting no results so i became so excited about this wow if i can find out how to succeed in a particular area and do it then I can, sh- I can shorten the amount of time it takes me. Now I have more than 300 audio and video learning programs wow. in 22 languages on, on something like 30 different subjects that are used in corporations all over the world for training in leadership, management, sales, personal development, success, time management, goals. Um, but they're all, they all came from this hunger to learn this material and then to share it with other people.
0: I love listening to stories like that because, you know, when you hear people like Brian Tracy that tells tell a story of where they came from literally nowhere and uh, no college education, nothing, and then they learn how to, okay, one thing that can make a massive difference and it's write a goal down, becomes you know, crystal clear on that goal, put 100% persistence behind it, 100% drive behind it and focus and said, I'm going to make that goal happened and that's what he did so you could be in a similar situation going why isn't it working how can I get it to work for me well people you know goals are so overplayed right so people go yeah okay I hear yeah yeah I know I hear I, I gotta write my goals down I gotta look at them and I gotta you know, whatever you know what do it write your goals down specifically what's your story I mean, what's your story going to be? Let's talk about this real quick. What is your story going to be when it's all said and done? What's your rags to riches story going to be? Think about it. That you got started, you know, I just tripped across this crazy podcast, this nuts. I mean, I don't have a college education. I'm a dork. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good football player, you know, but I used to, a U.S. Marine, went in the Marine Corps. Got out, didn't go to college, took a couple classes, didn't like it, but you know what? I, I'm telling you, I'm an avid reader. I read more books and emulate and look for success and everything I can do to, to, to be more and become more in my life. And... I've created a story in my life to where literally it came from absolutely nothing. I was in landscaping for crying out loud, which is a terrible thing. You know, it wasn't, I went from public speaking to landscaping, to, you know, it's all over the place. And uh, and before I got into flipping houses, I was at a low point in my life. I absolutely hated what I was doing. I was uh, literally in a position where I was living month to month. Some months I'd do great and some months I would just do terrible. And I ran across the guy. Who tell me how you could flip properties in your spare time. And I get excited about it. And you didn't need any cash. You didn't have to have any credit. You didn't have to have knowledge. You didn't have to have experience. You didn't have to be, you know, come from a golden spoon or whatever. And uh, I got excited about it and got started. And I went out in my first three weeks. He taught to knock on pre-foreclosure doors. Told you in the, in the last, last episodes there. But I went out and I made $11,008 in my first three weeks. And then from that point on, I built a portfolio of over 120 properties using seller financing. Subject to, I financed some deals. And it was just unbelievable. My first, from May to December, my first year, I made $124,000. And from then on, it blew up, which I... I bought and sold over $120 million worth of property, and it's just been going crazy. Now, it's not all been roses and just, oh my gosh, it just, you know, went out and found real estate, flipped properties, been great. In 2008, it sucked. We were fixing and flipping properties and selling to investors across the country. They changed the the appraisal laws. They changed the financing with banks were collapsing all around and people didn't know what the heck was going on. The market was going down like crazy here in Phoenix. I mean, it was dropping like five to 10% a month. You know, people didn't want to buy rental properties and man, our business came to an entire crashing halt and I was just sitting there going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, because we would buy properties, we would renovate them, we'd fix them, we'd put a tenant in them, and we'd sell them to investors all across the country. And we were cranking at one point. Then the market came to a crash and we're like, holy cow, what are we going to do? Went back to the basics, flipping properties, found cash buyers, built a list, started cranking out, started working, and now we're just doing tons and tons of deals. i got people all across the entire country doing deals now, and we're closing deals left and right. And it's not because I'm great. It's not because at all, believe me, you know, there are people listening to this podcast right now that have more talent, more ambition, more, more uh, motivation level, more, um, education than I do that will take this information and take it to levels that I just love to see. I'm just an average guy, just like you and I, and all I've done is, is, uh, is found a way in a system to turn around and I know exactly what works and how to get results. And that's what I'm teaching you exactly how to do through Flip 2 Freedom. That's what it is. And you might not you know, agree with the whole thing. You can take chunks out of that and apply it and turn around and you can get results. But the bottom line is, is what is your story going to be? What is your story going to be? If you're sitting in this situation right now, the recession is beating the living crap out of you like it was me in 2008 and it's beating you down and you're just sitting there, you know, going, what the heck am I going to do? Don't sit paralyzed. Create your story. And the first step is you write your story down like it's already happened. The lifestyle you want, the family you want, the freedom you want, the cars you want, the, everything you want, everything you want to be, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have. Write your story out right now like it's already happened. Take 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes and have fun with it. Write it down. Say, listen, if you reached your pinnacle right now, do a little dreaming. If you reached your pinnacle, three years down the road, five years, whatever it is, six months down the road, write down your story as if it's already, you've already completed it and then you read your story in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening before you go to go to bed and you think about it, and you dream about it, and you visualize it and you make that such a part of your DNA that your mind will take you to that point. I guarantee it. Cuz your mind is a servo mechanism. Your mind is like a like a like a guided missile what you put in that guided missile is going to go to its target and your mind is that same way and you put information in your mind visualize pictures information and it is like it's like it's like programming a guided missile that will hit its target now think about it if you don't plug anything into a guided missile where is it going to go you light the thing on fire the thing takes up this is going to fly around in circles isn't it same thing with your brain if you don't stick anything in there with a guy of exactly where it's going to go guess what you're just going to be like a boat in the water with the sail up and the wind's just going to blow you whichever way it's going to go uh-uh my boat my boat's in the water i know exactly where i'm going to go and i'm going to focus i don't care what wind is blowing me where i'm knowing it where i'm going to go i have a target and i'm going there And I don't care what gets in my way. I don't care if a tidal wave gets in my way because I'm going to get there no matter what. Why? Because I'm focused on the goal and that's what I'm going to accomplish. That's the attitude you have to have. You create the story now and you'll be living it quicker than you've ever dreamt possible. Trust me. It happens super fast. All right. Now next week we are going to talk about How to build confidence. We're going to talk about confidence. Because you know what? It takes confidence to go talk to motivated sellers. It takes confidence to talk to buyers. It takes confidence to do things. And guess what? There is a way that you can get confidence. And we're going to talk about it next week. So when you walk in and you do something, you are feeling great about it. And you're going to walk in and you are going to know that you're going to make it happen. So until next week... Thanks for hanging around in this episode. I had a blast hanging out with you. Till next week, I will see you uh, in the next episode, and I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investing career. Take care, and God bless.